Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Well, even the fake news New York Times, I mean, they are a despicable newspaper. I decided this morning to tweet out at some idiot that works for this paper, and I'm like, you know, are you really proud of the newspaper that you work for? Are you proud of this? Because it is never ending, nonstop, continuous lying. That's all it is. This is who they are. This defines them. You know, make it a case, my mom only listened to Fox News and Sean Hannity, and I was worried about my mom. And so what I did is I gave her a timeline about what I was saying and a timeline of what the stupid New York Times is saying for three long consecutive years. I know there are more important items than this on the agenda today. But for three and a half long years, these mob media maniacs have been out there lying, Russia, Russia, Russia. They've been out there lying, Ukraine, Ukraine, impeach, impeach, stormy, stormy. There's never ending crisis, crisis, Um, hysteria, panic. We got him. We got him. Oh, we didn't get him here. We'll go for this. Same with the Democratic Party. It's it just defines who they are. And um, so I, I just tweeted out. So are you proud? The woman's name is Kara Swisher. I don't even know who she is. This this newspaper is just pathetic. And somebody sends it to me and I read it. And I'm like, uh, she writes about her poor mother. And by the way, I wish her mother well. Mother apparently at one point was a friend of mine. Guess not anymore, but she she was a friend of mine. Her daughter maybe talked her out of it. Um, and I, I, I just said you are ignorant and you are lazy and you are a total hypocrite because she is. This, this defines them. I said, you're going to lecture me about what we defined as what? Do you have the January 26th Linda tape of Fauci? about what we were telling people. I The first time I had Anthony Fauci on this program, and he is a national hero, that goes back to January 27th of last year. And when I was saying on the 27th of January, I'm sorry, of this year, and the 28th of January of this year, is I started reading about it. Now, this is only six days after the first known coronavirus cases in the U.S., and because I read a lot, I'm, that's part of my job is to pre- prepare for this program. I began to read about this virus, and because almost half my friends in life are real-life doctors, medical doctors, and I sit through these discussions, and they fascinate me, and I've gone to operating rooms, and I've watched people be operated on, and I just have a love of, of medicine. If there's an operation on a TV channel somewhere, I will watch it and watch it and watch it like a lunatic. I don't know what's wrong with me, but if you ever watch like a hip or a knee replacement, it's fascinating. I mean, back in the day, it's like they have a hammer and chisel and they're cranking away and putting in somebody's new knee or new hip. It's crazy. But I'm fascinated with it, and I also know that our medical researchers, and I believe in our, our in science and our doctors and our healthcare professionals, I mean, they're just amazing people. We come up with better and better, better ways to keep people healthy. The advancement that we have made in finding treatments for, let's say, cancer and heart disease. Think back 20 years ago. Stents didn't exist or somewhere around there. It wasn't that long ago. 
now stents are used as a as a matter of regular course for people that have blockage in their arteries and they do so successfully and there was a process to that first they had stents then they came out with medicated stents and then they just kept improving on it to the point where now it is it's commonplace you can be stented and sent home almost the same day it's crazy a buddy of mine uh, i talked about a, a hip issue i have the guy said well i can go in i can go in anteriorly and and take out your hip and I see this this stick that's going to go in your femur, and you see this ball at the end of the stick that'll pop out, and you see this cup. We put this up here. It takes me about forty five minutes. You walk out of the hospital the same day, and I'm looking at him like, huh? I mean, crazy stuff. If you go back lymphomas, if you go back Hodgkin's disease, if you go back any of the the cancers that should scare the living hell out of everybody, I mean. I lost a cousin decades ago to Hodgkin's disease. He'd be alive today. He would be alive today because of medical advancement. So anyway, this Kara, Kara, what's it, a Kara Swisher person, you know, is writing that finally I talked my mom into not listening to Sean Hannity. I said, I'll put my timeline up against yours because your newspaper was printing Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. Oh, that was her newspaper. Of course, I don't expect one day that I'm going to hear a response saying, yeah, that was that was irresponsible of my newspaper to do this. Well, I'm not holding my breath because if I do, I will be dead. Um, or her paper, you know, they did use the, the, the left and the Democrats were using from the earliest days as evidenced by that headline Anything they could use to politicize this, weaponize this, continue their bludgeoning politically of Donald Trump, because that's who they are. That defines them. That is their ever overriding obsession in life. Um, And it's, you know, like, for example, her newspaper printing, let's see, February 5th. Who says it's not safe to travel to China? The Corona virus travel ban is not just unjust. Oh, I wonder if her mom, perhaps if she was going to China, maybe she had a planned trip. If she was listening to her daughter's newspaper at the time, that would have been a really, really, really dumb idea. And then I did something that, you know, you would think that a New York Times reporter would have a quick answer to. She ends up writing back something to the effect. uh, What did Kristen tell me that? Oh, I think he really likes me. Oh, I gave her attention. I'd never heard of this woman before. Um, But I said, all right, 10 days after the first confirmed COVID-19 case in the U.S., January 21st, President Donald J. Trump implemented the travel ban January 31st. I asked her a question. Did the POTUS, president of the United States, make the right decision? Or do you agree with quid pro quo, the ever-confused Joe, that it was hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering? No answer yet to that question. Hey, Kara, um, you might want to share with your mom uh, and her fellow leftists like Ben Smith over at the New York Times. Ben Smith, he writes this I hate Fox column, by the way, basically an every other day column. And Ben Smith, you know, got the information about what I had said and when I had said it. And he just acts like it doesn't exist. But that's the same for every newspaper here. 
This is what fake news CNN has been doing and continues to do. This is what conspiracy TV MSDNC has been and continues to do. This is the, the same group of people that have lied and that have pushed conspiracy theories and hoaxes on the American people, Russia, Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine. It's the same group. And now they will politicize even this. And for those of you that don't, do you have that, by the way, Linda? I don't know. Somebody can talk to me. Yes, you do. You know, if somebody, you know, cares about the truth, those people that attack conservatives in this, they're the most guilty. Let's go to the Washington Post. This is uh, Eric Pop the Pimples uh, newspaper. Get a grip, America. The flu is a much bigger threat than the coronavirus for now. Uh, okay. I'll put my timeline up against that crap, too. Then, uh, yeah, in early February, the same newspaper, Washington Post, why we should be weary of an aggressive government response to coronavirus. Wow. Pretty amazing. That's your media mob. She started out, oh, Sean Hannity, don't worry, I'm not going to sue. So I said to her, I said, listen to me. I hope you do sue me. Please sue me. Discovery and a countersuit by me against you. I have good attorneys. I think for this, I would probably want Charles Harder and Lynn Wood. You know, the people that are going to get a fortune and are getting a fortune for Nicholas Sandman. And the guy that beat, uh, what was the name of that publication? Gawker. I'll, I'll hire both of them. They're both friends of mine, and I love them both, and they're both the best in their industry by far. And I'll hire them. I could be a landmark case. I said, let's go. Game on. File your suit. Anyway, the ball's in their court. We'll see if they do. But this is what we live with. There is nothing that Donald J. Trump will ever do, and I've been saying it forever, that is ever going to satisfy these people. It's not going to happen. Now, as we have been discussing for a long period of time, the New York Times finally is beginning to catch up because we've been talking about hydroxychloroquine along with Zithromax for a long time on this program. Dr. Oz will be back today with the latest updates. We have some really good medical updates today. And malaria drug helps virus patients improve in small study. Wow. They're telling us help speed the recovery of small number of patients who are mildly ill from, you know, they they can't make a big deal of it because Donald Trump went first, you know. That's the problem. Mildly ill coronavirus doctors in China reported this week. Well, maybe they should get a little bit more up to speed because there's more studies, tons of anecdotal evidence that it's working all over the country. But they would rather, I guess, quote China, not that I think that it is any particularly... You know, uh, good information. Um, I got a lot more on the mob I want to get to today. But, you know, morning, Joe. What happened to morning, Joe? Everybody but Trump saw coronavirus coming in January. Uh, that's a lie, Joe. Why are you still like What happened, Joe? What happened to you? I remember a call in the middle of the 2000 election. And I know exactly where I was. They're stealing this from George W. Bush. Whatever it is, if you are a Republican and you go to MSDNC, the conspiracy theory channel, you change. I don't dislike Joe. I don't have anything against Joe. But Joe has Trump derangement syndrome, like Nicole Wallace and Steve Schmidt and everybody else over there at MSDNC. They all want to 
hang on to Rachel Maddow, the chief conspiracy theorist, coattails and hope that they get ratings so they can stay on television. Anyway, it's just false. We knew that in early January, China was busy covering up the pandemic. I reported very early on in January, but they didn't over there at NBC News. They were too busy involved in the impeachment of Donald J. Trump, just like the Democrats on Capitol Hill. Fox News alert. The deadly coronavirus, which originated in China, has now spread to the U.S. Here now live from our West Coast newsroom tonight with the very latest Trace Gallagher. Trace. And Sean, just to get the numbers straight without alarming anyone, there are currently five confirmed cases of coronavirus in the U.S., but the CDC now says 110 cases are under investigation in 26 states. That number is likely to rise. The five confirmed cases are among those who recently traveled to Wuhan, China. And clearly, all right, we have, a, we have an incubation rate that is, in other words, you can be, while it's incubating in your body, apparently you're infectious. Is that correct? It is correct. You know, so that incubation period can be anywhere from 2 to 14 days. The question is whether or not somebody can be contagious during a period where they're asymptomatic. You know, so they can fly over to the United States, have no symptoms on the plane, but then develop the symptoms once they're here. The question is, were they were they contagious while they were on that plane and when they, when they were traveling? And if that's the case, then how do we track all of those contacts? Um, so that's well, really going to be really Contact tracing, it right, doesn't so appear that it's even possible at this point in China, does it, uh, Dr. Umber? I think in China, with the population density they have, that would get much harder uh, to accurately track that, especially as people start to hit the public places, the hospitals and doctor's offices in mass. So you have this large crowding effect. Uh, but maybe not everyone was registered when they went there. They're waiting in line. Um, so, yeah. All right, let me interrupt this for the, for the second. That was January 27th, Dr. Fauci on TV the 27th, reporting about it in the U.S., reporting about asymptomatic people that seemed very contagious, and the 28th of January. That was even before the travel ban. I guess I was ahead of the curve. Well, nobody saw this coming. Anyway, they're just liars. It is uh, even in the midst of of a national emergency, they're playing games. CNN didn't even take the president's, you know, opening remarks yesterday. Oh, we can't run the president. We can't get updates on a national emergency from the president. No, we don't like him. And as we continue on 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program, you know, one of the main things. So they they were putting out worst case scenario between 100 and what, 220,000 potential deaths in the United States. That's scary. But what they don't talk about in the media is that the potential without the travel ban, without the quarantines and the extended travel bans and the mitigation and the 15 days now extended to April 30th, uh, the number would have been more like 2.2 million. Now, would somebody say, well, Donald Trump made a good call there. Anyone at the fake news, New York Times? No. Now, I've got a montage that I'm going to play when we get back because the mob and the media, I don't want anybody to die. Said that too early in this process. I want a cure for cancer and heart disease. I want cars that are safer. They have great technology. You're about to hit somebody in front of you. The car will stop for you. I want all of that. I want to live forever, frankly. Hopefully, in heaven, I will. All right, I'll play this on the other side. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. All right, let me give you a small sampling of how insane 
the mob is. Now, why is this important? It's important because if Donald Trump, I'd said long before coronavirus, cured cancer, they would still want to impeach Donald Trump for curing cancer. This defines them. It is their obsession. It is 24-7. They will lie, smear, slander, besmirch, uh, and and uh, peddle lies and conspiracy theories one after another. Breathless hysteria. And then they sanctimoniously act like, well, Donald Trump should have done this or should have done that. Never before in the history of pandemics has anybody ever acted as quickly and decisively as Donald Trump. January 21st, first known case of coronavirus in the United States. First. Now, January 31st. Well, that would be when the travel ban and the quarantine put in place by the president. That's when Joe said it was hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. Why does that matter? Well, it matters now because exponentially, you know, how many tens, if not more, of thousands of Americans would have contracted the disease, spread the disease, and exponentially, mathematically, died? They don't, they just, they don't care. Bludgeon Trump, bludgeon Trump 24-7, politicize, weaponize, and, you know, it doesn't matter how wrong they are. They'll never revise, extend their remarks, ask for an apology, correct their methods of failure. That's just who they are. Listen. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm-hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm gonna be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot lot more more cases. cases. Yeah, they all got it wrong. And, you know, a lot of that came from the Office of Public Advocate New York. Whoopsie-daisy. And the idiotic mayor, ill-prepared, number one terror target in the United States. They didn't even have extra gowns or masks or gloves. That's how bad it was. State of New York rejecting five years ago a warning that they needed in case of a pandemic. 18,000 ventilators. Governor Cuomo, now in his third term, they had a task force put together. Well, how can we just sort of, you know... Make the most of the 2,000 that we have. But they'll blame Trump for it. 
You know, over at Fake News CNN, MSDNC, one host after another saying it's dangerous to keep airing the president's corona briefings. That's not what they're, they're afraid of. The, the president is giving a daily update as it relates to a national emergency, and they don't like it. And then especially when you compare it to the ever confused, confounded quid pro quo Joe, uh, there is no comparison. Nobody has ever done more, more quickly than this president, including, you know, what is a massive amounts of money to take care of every single worker, making them whole. That has never been done before. It has never been done before in such record time that they were able to cast aside FDA regulations. We never had ever the ability to break down the sequence of a virus than coronavirus now phase one trials of a vaccine. We've never had FDA rules put aside for the treatment that shows hope and promise like hydroxychloroquine along with azithromycin. We'll put those rules aside. Let's get the game going. If we're saving lives, let's do it. Let's give people the right to try. Let's give uh, compassionate use and let's get it out there. And it is showing beyond anecdotal evidence now that it is working if i had it i'd use it dr oz said the same thing on this program yesterday he'll he'll join us later today and i want to say one thing and then we're going to check in we have a problem in new york with the nypd that is scaring should scare everybody in new york got to protect our officers um you know they put out these models yesterday everybody misses the main point of the model which Uh, If we didn't do the mitigation, if the president's travel ban and quarantines weren't put in place, this could have been exponentially worse, 2.2 to 2.4 million. Now they're looking to at between what, 100 and 220,000. And fake news, Jim Acosta, fake news Acosta, you know, takes out of context a soundbite of Anthony Fauci asking federal doctors if the U.S. could have prevented more deaths by acting to mitigate the virus sooner. Well, that's not what they were calling for on fake news CNN, but that, but that is a sidebar. Now, let me say this before I play Dr. Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci has now served, what, I believe six presidents. Served Reagan, served Bush. He served Clinton, two terms. Uh, he served George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and now Donald Trump. He has dealt with all of these pandemics his entire career, the span of his entire career. He was in the forefront of helping find answers and solutions to keep people alive with AIDS. He has worked on these other pandemics. He is, to me, a hero. The guy, he is a doctor on the front lines dealing with things that we don't often have the answers to. And for all the people, well, you changed, you changed, you changed, you changed, you changed. So five days after the first known case in the United States, Dr. Fauci was, uh, I was on some radio program, I don't remember which one. And he didn't think it was much of a threat. Now that's five days after the first known coronavirus confirmation in the U.S. And literally five days before Donald Trump implemented the travel ban which was called xenophobic, racist, hysterical, and, and fear-mongering. Here's what Fauci said, January 26th. And I say this not, not to disparage Fauci, just the opposite, to show that we don't know right away, that some of these things take time. And here we are two months later, and look how far we've come. Listen. 
What do you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. Dr. Fauci is the best of the best of the best. I pl- uh, please do not mis- don't misinterpret this. The point is, we didn't know. He didn't know. Now, the very next day, when he was on my radio program, uh, I think he was on my television program, you know, it was at that point beginning to, to seem different. Because Ace, and then I interviewed him about on February 10th. Again, my timeline, I'll put it up against the, any, anybody else on TV and radio. They don't want to discuss my timeline. They just want to say, fire Hannity, and ignore every irresponsible, reckless, insane thing that they've all printed or said. But by February 10th, we're talking about asymptomatic people, asymptomatic, but still highly contagious. Turns out it's like three times more contagious than the flu. Nobody knew that at the time. And so we were all learning together. And look at where Dr. Fauci is. He's on the front lines and his counsel, his experience serving six presidents, saving lives. Just like Donald Trump's travel ban five days after Anthony Fauci said that is saving lives. Anyway, I am concerned. So I was at the USNS Comfort. This amazing. I mean, it is so massive. This Navy hospital uh, ship that came into New York uh, this week. And I'm looking at this thing. I'm like blown away. And I met a lot of NYPD officers there. I love New York police officers. I, I wish the mayor of New York loved NYPD officers as much as I did, because when I challenged him about, are you going to take the video evidence of everybody throwing water on cops and, and dousing them with water and attacking them? Uh, are, are you going to arrest them all? I trust the NYPD. I said, why don't you as their leader say something? He didn't. But anyway, we have now, unfortunately, as of today, 15% of unifi- uh, uniformed officers, 5,600, are out sick. Many of them now confirmed 1,048 uniform members and 145 civilian members positive for coronavirus in New York. Ed Mullins is the president of the NYPD Sergeants Union. Uh, I. First of all, thank you and, and all of these officers and first responders and firemen and EMTs and nurses and doctors on the front lines for all you do every day. I, I talked to a bunch of NYPD officers the other night, and, yeah, they said they're, they're dropping like flies. This is bad because you guys are on the front lines. Uh, that's correct, Sean, and thank you for always being an advocate for the NYPD. Um, I say dropping like flies, meaning they're contracting the virus. I'm not saying dead. Right, right. Yeah. The NYPD is taking some real hits right now with uh, um, sickness. We're up around close to 6,200. They're um, out sick, 1,300. Uh, almost 1,370 are positive with corona, and we have about 32 people hospitalized. So the numbers continue to grow. It was 3,000 just over the weekend, right around the weekend, and we've nearly doubled. Um, you know, as you know, and the general public knows, you need the police in the street. Um, we have about 35,000 officers. I think 
Commissioner Shea is doing everything possible to uh, try to keep cops out on the street. Uh, but we are taking hits, and I anticipate this is going to continue. Uh, EMS is losing people and, and working incredible hours. Um, so when you see what's taking place, we have doctors and nurses in the hospitals, but we are the people that are getting them to the hospitals. And uh, this is um, a situation. i got 38 years in the NYPD. I've been at both World Trade Center attacks and all types of explosions wow. that occurred. And I've never seen anything like this. And we have a I, we have a bit of a bad line here. Let me let me offer you this. If there's anything Ed that I can do, or anybody can do, do you do you have a website? Anything you need for support? Any any items you need? Because I know the people in New York. We well, look some the the good people in New York. I'll say it that way. Not the ones dousing cops with water and attacking them. Um, but anything we can do, any website we can go to help you guys out. We love you guys. We know you're putting yourself in harm's way every day. I, I think there's uh, one thing, Sean, is keep talking about what you have been talking about. That how did this happen nearly 20 years after 9-11? Why is the city of New York ill-prepared to have dealt with this? Um, this is can you, not can you, can you explain this to me? How is it well, Andrew Cuomo is now in his third term? was told to get an additional 16,000 ventilators to the 2,000 he has, and, is, and then sets up a task force that says, well, let's see how we can um, uh, ration the ventilators. And then screams at Donald Trump, who's sent the Navy hospital ship, who's you know built a 3,000-bed hospital at the Javits Center, uh, that is building hospitals with the Army Corps of Engineers at the Javits Center, Westchester County, Nassau County, Suffolk County, and wherever else they're going to need them. Send 4,000 ventilators that Cuomo puts in a warehouse. How is it possible after 9-11 and the first Trade Center bombing, they don't have anything? How is that possible? Uh, Well, I find great difficulty with it, and I take issue with it. Um, You know, I I was at Ground Zero, and, you know, we lost thousands of people because we weren't prepared back then. And since then, you know, we hear all about counterterrorism and all these things we should have in place. But if you compare what we're going through right now, um, the scenario would be the same if this was some type of biochemical attack. And the cops did not have the equipment when this first started. Uh, we don't have decontamination. And by the way, that would be on the mayor and the governor. Everyone, they, blame, they're lashing I out at Trump. Not just this mayor, though, Sean. We have Bloomberg here for 12 years. We've had a different governor right after 9-11. Um, we have this governor now. We There's no excuse. He's, in, he's in his third term as governor and the second term as mayor. No excuse. I think, and then they, they well, rip Donald Trump every day. Um, if, is I, there a website or anything we can do to help you guys? I, I think one of the biggest things you could do, Sean, is we need Congress to pass the public safety officer benefit to let the cops know across the nation that they have our backs while we're out there. And to ensure that if something happens to us in a line of duty as a result of Corona, you guys are taken care of. I agree. You know, and it could have been it could have been easily prepared for. Absolutely. I have to run. But, Ed, we're praying for your guys. We love them. Thank you. Please uh, tell them all. Great guys. It's Skinner, simple man. It can only mean one other thing. It is all things BillOReilly.com who uh, joins us. Mr. O'Reilly, sir, how are you uh, handling uh, your social distancing. That might actually be easy for you because, you know, you're complicated. <laughs> it might be hard to hang out with you. 
Yeah, I have to say that. That is so mean. You should tell me to drop dead. You really should. No, no, Hannity, but you're being honest. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm I'm with you on this. No spin zone. (laughs) Oh, man. Like most Americans, I don't have that that social distancing problem. People see me, and they're about 30 feet away. (laughs) They run. Same with, by the way, we have the same same thing. Uh, Uh, It's like the Westerns when the uh, bad guys rode in, all the kids are run off the street and the women, and that's just like me. I I kind of walking down the street and everybody's gone. Um, But I am feeling more simple than usual uh, today um, because I have noticed something that I hadn't heard on any of the media, and it's fascinating. So the nexus between politics and the pandemic, has now been established this week. If you read the Boston Globe editorial from March 30th, it says that President Trump has blood on his hands over the coronavirus. All right? They wrote those words. And then if you look at the New York Times article from today, White House economists warned in 2019 A pandemic could devastate America, New York Times. So this is not by accident that these two newspapers, ultra-left, both of them, have come out this week in conjunction with CNN and NBC News. Now, the theme is that the President of the United States knew early that there was going to be a pandemic and did nothing, nothing, hid it from the people. This is what you're going to hear from now until the conventions in the summer, that you can't reelect a president who covered up a pandemic, even though um, he knew it was going to kill Americans. So um, I have a rebuttal to that if you don't have any questions going forward so far. No, I'm listening to what you have to say. I'm listening right, intently. So, By the way, you are a man of your word. Thank you for sending me an early copy of your book. I think it's out in the summer. I appreciate yeah. the early copy. Thank you. And, I, you know, I know you have a lot of time because uh, people All right, don't want to I did like that. I look, I like, I, I, I'm interested. You got my interest on page two, but I have to have time to read it. All right, killing crazy horse. But people don't want to hang with Hannity either. We're just, we're just too controversial. But anyway, um, all of this is hatched, as we discussed uh, previously on the uh, Hannity radio program, on K Street in Washington. Uh, it comes out of a place called the Bonner Group. Um, and then it goes up to Boston. Uh, there's another uh, Democratic think tank up there, Dewey Square. And they disseminate this stuff. So this is the new theme. So let me take this apart. So the Boston Globe says President Trump has blood on his hands because he didn't alert the country and the world to it. So I say to the Boston Globe, in three and a half years, you have not said one good word on your editorial board about Donald Trump. We did a Google search on BillOReilly.com. Not one good word. Not anything about the economy. Not anything about trade deals. Not one word positive for the Boston Globe. And they endorse Elizabeth Warren for president. Now, I want to know, because I'm a simple man, what other world leader tagged the pandemic? Give me one name. Did Boris Johnson do it in Britain? Did Angela Merkel do it in Germany? Did the Australian prime minister do it? Did anybody do it? What's the answer, Hannity? 
So I have a long answer. I'm just I want uh, you're laying out a very good case, and okay, the problem no with what did. you're the problem with what you're doing is you are you are speaking truth. You okay, are looking at facts. Truth. It's very it's simple, simple truth, truth that is not, knowledgeable. It's not complicated truth. So I can add. Mean, let me add to this with one one statement. Now right. I think you're like me. I'm guessing. I I have such a profound deep respect for everybody in the medical community. Dr. Anthony Fauci has served now six presidents, six. He was in the forefront of saving lives with AIDS and other pandemics. He's been there. The guy is amazing. The 26th of January, first known case, timeline matters of coronas in the United States. The 26th, this is Anthony Fauci. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. Now, simple man, Bill O'Reilly, please no. That is not to say gotcha to Anthony Fauci. He didn't know. No. Nobody knew. And, and, and that's an excellent soundbite. And uh, you, kudos you, to you, you and love him staff. like I do, right? You respect him. I respect I the do. hell I out of this guy. He's making one big mistake, though, and I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, look, on January 22nd on BillOReilly.com, I did an analysis and I said to Americans, you got to watch this thing. Now, I missed the Fauci soundbite because, like everybody else, including you, I was covering impeachment. All right? Impeachment was everything all day. And I was locked in on that, and I wasn't looking. But I did pick up the Wuhan situation, and I did flag my viewers. However, when you go to the Boston Globe and you have a major newspaper in this country saying the president has blood on his hands, and there's not one other world leader, not one, who flagged this, you're lying. Okay, so then every world leader has blood on his hands. Every one. And the second thing is, when you look at the U.S. intelligence report today, and I don't know whether you got this or not, but it was given to the president today. Bloomberg News Service broke it. The U.S. intel report says that the communist Chinese government misled everyone and put they out did. false statements. So you saw the British study, right? No. The British study points out 95% of this world pandemic would have been stopped if right, China they told the truth. Told the but truth. they didn't tell the truth. And then you have the New York Times, and this is really fascinating. The pandemic was warned, and White House economists said it. You know how many studies are put out a year from the federal government? 50,000 plus. In World War II, FDR got a study that said the Japanese were going to bomb Pearl Harbor. Do you know that? Okay? Mm -hmm. He got a study. He did nothing. Japanese devastated Pearl Harbor. Bill Clinton, President Bush the Younger, both got studies that said Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan were going to attack the USA, which they did on 9-11. So what do you do when you get a study? What do you do? Well, Adam Schiff is already drafting legislation to set up a 9-11 commission to uh, review Corona. You know why, Bill? Because he wants to bludgeon Trump. Let me give you my long answer. And by the way, if you, if you want to stay past the half hour, we'll let you because I don't want to rush this conversation. It's too important.
No, no, we'll um, stay as long as you so want. So I got I got hit by this idiot at the New York Times. Like I was giving her mother bad information. You you said you mentioned it on the twenty second. I flagged this on on TV with Anthony Fauci on the twenty seventh, before mm-hmm. the travel ban. I flagged it on radio with Fauci. What the twenty? I know radio the twenty seventh. I think TV the twenty eighth. Well, either or. I'm not sure which is where. So I get pounded by the newspaper that said Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame by the paper again, using it to bludgeon Trump uh, as they went out there, you know, politically and politicizing this. uh, Who says it's not safe to travel to China? The coronavirus travel ban is unjust. That was the New York Times. Then Joe Biden. Well, Joe. So 10 days after the first case, January 21st. Confirmed case in the U.S., President Trump implemented the travel ban. January 31st, Biden said xenophobic hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering. Yep. Now, on on February 14th, Comrade de Blasio, you should not stop from going about your life, and nothing should stop you from going to Chinatown, going out to eat. And Pelosi, February 28th, Bill O'Reilly, is telling people, we want people to come to Chinatown. Uh, She said, Mardi Gras continues. The New York Health Commissioner was telling New Yorkers, uh, you know, largely for two months, months to defy guidances. And, and it got worse from there. The Democrats were in the middle of impeachment, Bill O'Reilly. And while they were impeaching Donald Trump, he was putting in place a travel ban. Now, I want your simple analysis. To me, it's incalculable how many... How many Americans did not contract this virus? How exponentially, mathematically worse this would all be, but for that brave decision that brought on nothing but insane criticism and charges of xenophobia, hysteria, and racism. How important was that decision? Well, that's going to be the linchpin of uh, Donald Trump's campaign for re-election. And he's going to always be able to fall back, and then Biden's always going to have to defend the xenophobic remark. But it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's the United States now has become tribal, as we discussed. But I don't understand why there isn't more anger toward the media for absolutely putting this stuff up and lying about it. You know, Hey, hey, Bill, it's worse than that. They don't even want to cover in a national emergency the president's task force with important life-saving information. Who does it help that the Boston Globe says the president of the United States has blood on his hands? Who does that help? All right, who? We know you hate Trump, Boston Globe, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, NBC. We know it. All right, that's all you do is hate him. But is this helping sick people? Is it helping? They don't care. Raise the spirits of Americans, you know? Bill, no, it's not. Three and a half long years, fake news CNN, conser- uh, conspiracy, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's channel, MSDNC. They lied to the American people. That includes the New York Times and Washington Post. Sure. You know what the Washington Post was writing February 1st? Get a grip, America. The flu is a much bigger threat than the coronavirus. And February 3rd, why we should be weary, uh, wary of an aggressive uh, government response to corona. That's them. That's yeah, on them, Bill. They'll never, you know, they, all they want to do, it's just propaganda now. And since I'm a historian, I know what propaganda can do to a nation. I saw it in Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. 
Statism I mean, I is alive. All right, stay there. Don't go All anywhere. Right. BillOReilly.com. Simple man and Bill O'Reilly. We'll get more of his analysis. Also, Dr. Oz with our medical update for the day. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, Bill O'Reilly will stay past the half hour with us. Uh, he's got a new book coming out. Uh, I guess sometime now in the summer. It's been delayed a little bit like everything else. Um, all right, so we look at this, the media. We understand they haven't been helpful. They haven't been right, etc. From a health standpoint, I'm looking at everything that the president has done, public-private partnerships, drive-up testing that has now evolved into five-minute tests that we're going to have 50,000 a day. Uh, I look at, you know, get, getting rid of uh, old FDA draconian rules so we have off-use of medicines that are also safe, FDA-approved, like hydro, hydroxychloroquine and, and zithromycin, et cetera. And we have new uh, uh, procedures that are used, convalescent plasma. Uh, all the rules on pandemics have changed in less than two, in two months, less than two months. Well, look, if he gets it under control by summer, uh, he's saying June 1st, now he wins. Um, you know, he's going to win re-election. If he doesn't, if kids can't go to school in September, it's going to be very tough. Because I don't think it's going to be Biden. I think it's going to be Cuomo. Uh, we could talk about that next half hour. I have one suggestion for the Trump administration. I would uh, tell Fauci and uh, Brexit, the two doctors, uh, not to speculate about deaths. I don't think that does anybody any good. Don't throw numbers out there. This might happen. This could happen. People want facts. And they don't need that. And they don't need to be just... Uh, told that, well, it could come back in September. Hey, you know, by September, there could be an atomic explosion somewhere. So speculation, I think the Trump administration should ban that in their uh, in their expositions. Well, I think what they did yesterday is that when they came out with these varying models, they, we do this for everything, medical bill and clinical trials. Okay. Well, the but, the models, but, but the models that, are predicting what it would have been had we not mitigated and not had a travel okay. ban versus where we are now. Lookbacks are all right, but it's, you know, look, Fauci saying, yeah, well, we could have this in September again. That doesn't do any good. All right, let's take it week by week. You want to look back? Look back. All right, people are going to have to make up their own minds whether the Trump administration has done them a solid in the pandemic or not. And facts will drive that, not hysteria from the media. So we all know that's a bunch of crap. And speculation by the Trump administration doesn't help their cause. I think that the American people understand that, and this is why the media doesn't even want to cover his his daily coronavirus task force, um, you know, press conferences because they're afraid. Well, Donald Trump looks too presidential. It's not. How could you not, That's in right. a national emergency, want to cover that when the American people need the information for themselves, for their safety? For their loved ones, for their families, it's that is part of the insanity. More of Bill O'Reilly on the other side. Doctor Oz, our medical aid team, coming up at the top of the next hour. Straight ahead. Twenty-five now till the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza, you know, Bill O'Reilly is with us. All things Bill O'Reilly uh, dot com. And I want to go to what are the responsibilities of mayors and governors you just mentioned in the last segment that you think for example that joe biden the ever confused confounded quid pro quo joe is not going to be the democratic nominee that you think that they are preparing to steal it from him and give it to uh governor cuomo 
you you why do you believe that and how do they pull uh, that off so my analysis and first i'm going to give you a compliment hannity and you can't stop me oh, your analysis goodness. about um why um the left-wing media nbc and at&t in particular on television and it's really i mean when you really step back and look at those companies comcast and at&t i, I just can't believe it's happening but it is they know that by being on television every night talking about the pandemic, that Donald Trump is winning over some independent voters. That's why the assault this week from the New York Times and Boston Globe on his handling of the pandemic. But well, it's all well, CNN ground. and MSDNC yeah. are saying they don't want to cover it. Yesterday, That's fake right. news CNN did not co- uh, cover his opening statement. Because it's not going well for them. Even Jim Acosta, though, he's trying. He's trying his hardest to diminish uh, Donald Trump. Trump is making him look like a fool. So that's what that's all about. Now, for your question um, about, okay, so the American people are sitting there, and they want a solution, but they also want to cooperate. Most Americans want to cooperate with this pandemic thing. I haven't seen any civil unrest. I'm seeing a lot of stuff going, hey, blank you, I'm going to do what I want. Everybody understands how dangerous this is. But we're living in a divisive country, and Joe Biden is the front runner and will get enough delegates, I believe, if he can make it through to, uh, to uh, July. However, I know, by, because, and I don't like to use anonymous sources, but I have to do it now. There is great concern among Mr. Biden's family and friends about his mental health great concern. And his wife is the key. All right. Dr. Jill Biden, she has a PhD in education. They're worried about him. And the thinking now is that if Biden can't make it, they'll get him to a couple of weeks before the convention, and then he'll step aside for health reasons and give his delegates to Cuomo. Because the Pubas and the Democratic Party believe Cuomo would be the strongest candidate, much stronger than Bernie Sanders, against Donald Trump. So that's what's being discussed, and I know this to be true. Um, and I, I think that may very well happen. I don't see Joe Biden making a comeback from his mental acuity problems. I don't see that. I could be wrong. I've heard from many in the Democratic Party, too, that they would like to do that. And there is angst, anxiety, concern. It's DEFCON 5. I'm going to ask you yes or no questions, and then I'm going to let you give a long answer, okay? Do you, Bill O'Reilly, believe that governors and mayors uh, have a responsibility to prepare for emergencies? They're all broke, I didn't ask that. Do they have a responsibility, yeah, Bill O'Reilly? They do. Now, you're, wait a minute. This is a no-spin zone. Come on. Do they, they have a responsibility they have to be a prepared. Responsibility, but you have to be realistic. They don't have the money to buy the stuff. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But you do think they have responsibility? All right. Now, would you agree with me? The state of New York. We both live here. We're stupid. We really are. But anyway, the state of New York <laughs> and the city of New York would be the epicenter for any pandemic, considering. The large population, 10 million people, the smallest geographical area in the country, correct? Certainly, we have to be the epicenter. Certainly. Right. 
Would you agree that the number one terror target, maybe one or two, in in terms of a terror attack, would be New York and or D.C., one and two or one or two? Would you agree with that? Of course. Okay. Would you agree that the president that is now building uh, triage hospitals in Westchester County, Nassau County, Suffolk County, a 3,000-bed Army Corps of Engineers-built hospital at the Javits Center, we saw this incredible ship, the that, that this floating hospital comfort come into uh, New York Harbor uh, just this week, and that the president sent up 4,000 ventilators and sending up masks and sending up every other bit of equipment that New York needs. you think the president has gone all in for New York? I think the president is trying to defeat the pandemic, no matter where it is. That's but he's, he's specifically gone all in for New York. He's given everything he's got uh, and think, working feverishly to get been more. generous to New York. Okay. Um, I know where you're going with this. No, I'll, you don't. I'll, I'll harken back. The, yeah. the country's broke. The federal okay. government's broke, and the states are broke, and the cities are broke. They're not going to be stockpiling anything unless, unless there is a provable threat. And certainly the Wuhan virus was not that. Nobody knew what the hell it was. Okay, now here's my argument, and then I'm going to turn the show over to you. Okay? All right. All right. In 2015, there was a warning. This is Andrew Cuomo's third term. Bill de Blasio I don't think is capable of much, period, so I'll put him aside for a minute. The great Andrew Cuomo that says, I need 30,000 ventilators. That, that same guy. I only got 3.8 billion. Chuck Schumer says it's more than 40 billion in this last bill that was passed. And I would argue being the number one, the epicenter of any pandemic possibility that will get out of control, it would be New York. The number one target for terrorism in the United States is New York. And I think there is an especially compelling uh, obligation if you're the governor or mayor to be prepared. Now, in 2015, the governor was warned that he was 16,000 ventilators short if there was a pandemic. The governor had a task force put together and they just decided, well, let's figure out how we can ration the only 2,000 ventilators that they have. He made a decision. That was his choice. Now, we also know a lot about Governor Cuomo and things that he has spent money on, Bill. We know he spent $750 million on a solar panel factory that closed down in upstate New York. Wasted. Waste. $90 million for a light bulb company in California. That failed, too. $600 million for a computer chip factory that sits empty. And the governor was warned he would need 16,000 additional ventilators. They had no preparation. Now, I had the governor on the program, Bill O'Reilly. We, I kept him up. I even blew break for the, for the governor, two breaks, because I thought it was important. He talked about getting along. Talk is cheap with politicians. And then I watched him every day. I need this. I need that. I need this. And he did nothing himself. Now, maybe he does run. I don't know if you're right. I've heard similar chatter everywhere. But to me, that sanctuary uh, uh, state status, city status, uh, free health care to illegal immigrants, waste, fraud, and abuse, lack of preparation. There's a lot to vet here, Bill O'Reilly. I think that it wouldn't go over well for Mr. Cuomo. Okay. You want my analysis of Cuomo? Here it is. It's going to be pithy. I'm not going to go on too long. Number one, he's moved tremendously to the left. Um, the abortion law and the letting the prisoners out of jail are just incredible radical left pieces of legislation that he signed. Number two, 
people are moving out of New York State, affluent people, hundreds of thousands of them since he's been governor. They're moving out of the state because it's the highest tax state in the union. Number three, upstate New York is a disaster because he won't allow fracking. If he did, the state would be in much better condition economically, and then he could have bought all the medical supplies that you refer to. It was impossible for him to stockpile medical supplies because the state has no money. They're running a $100 billion deficit. He can't do it. He can form a commission, but he can't buy anything. And that's the federal government, too. They don't have any money. Hey, Bill, if he weighs $750 million in, in the solar deal and the light bulb deal yeah, and the other ridiculous deal, $600 million, wait a minute. He wasted that money. They all went belly up, and you're right about fracking. You know, and, and I will say this. It just, it, it is just to me, I, will, I said to the governor, Bill, I said, anything I can do to help my fellow New Yorkers, let me know. I want to help. And I watched this guy. He won't even allow. We, we have all this anecdotal evidence, and Dr. Oz will give us an update at the top of the hour, about how hydroxychloroquine along with the zithromycin, is working. Somebody we know used it. I haven't told you yet. And it literally prevented our friend from getting intubated. He was probably 24 hours away. He is the doctor that's doing that, right? Is that his name? No, doctor. Listen, people have questions about him. I put him aside. He's one, but he, he's one metric if you want to look at and believe him. But apparently he's, he's, I didn't know at the time when we talked to him that he's, I don't know. People have questions about him. No, Dr. Oz. But, but, we have we have a study out of France. We have a study. Points. We have studies now coming in, and we have a clinical trial going on in New York with 1,100 patients. And you I believe you... those will be successful. Thank I think you. what you're saying will be borne out in the next month or so. But number one, the New York Press does not quiz Andrew Cuomo and his daily upbreak, do they? Does anybody ask a tough question of him? One person? No. No one does. Contrast that to the Trump press conferences. And number two, the biggest deficit Andrew Cuomo has if he runs for president is his statement that he told the nation America's never been a great country. That He said it. That's going to be rammed down his throat. So it's not a slam dunk that he beats Trump. It's just that you've got to give him his due. He's articulate and intense and driven. And when you interviewed him, you saw that personally, correct? No, I wanted to help. I wanted to put partisanship aside. This virus doesn't discriminate between a Republican, a Democrat, conservative, or liberal. And what's frustrating to me is all of that waste, fraud, and abuse. And you're right about every other economic measure, and you're right about his statements. And when I watch everybody killing themselves to to create to to save the people in the state in this state which we need to do we're americans if we can bail out europe and beat nazism fascism communism radical islamism we certainly need to help any american in trouble new york california doesn't matter where they're our family we protect our family and then go out there and with all of that help, all of that money, all of those resources, all of that energy, uh, him politicizing it, lashing out more. I want more. I want more. And it is infuriating to me. And then he's denying the people of this state, Bill O'Reilly, if you want hydroxychloroquine and you want to try that treatment and you're sick, he, you can't get it unless you go to a hospital. 
I don't want anybody right now, if you don't need to, to go to a hospital. Why? Because it's an open petri, uh, petri dish there. And why he would deny, with all the anecdotal evidence that we have, people, that medicine is unbelievable to me. He'll reverse it, I predict, um, soon. Well, they did um, it in Michigan and they did it in Nevada. Right. And, and Cuomo will reverse it. But you know as well as anyone that Andrew Cuomo is running for president right now. And he's got to do two things. Put himself up as the virus slayer. That's my name for him on BillOReilly.com. And he's got to diminish Donald Trump. That's what he's got to do. And he's so doing really it. what you say when you say diminish, what you're really saying is that Donald Trump needs to fail. Right. The uh, in other words, for him to. to be in a position to win, you're saying that well, if Donald Trump fails, the country fails, Bill. And, and we're die. talking about life and death here. And people die, right. But there's no other way for the Democrats to take the White House back. No other way. He's got to fail in the pandemic or he gets reelected. So that's what you're seeing now. You're not seeing reality. Well, the political had an article yesterday that, that confirms this, that, you know, that the Democratic operatives they quoted in this piece, it's just so repulsive and annoying and disgusting. You know, Bill, if you, if you kill Soleimani and, the, you know, Iran, number one state sponsor of terror, killed Americans in Iraq. Uh, this guy is the terror leader. If you kill Baghdadi and associates, you kill the Al Qaeda leader in Yemen and you can't get a good job, President Trump. President Trump, in retrospect, your travel bans prevented tens of thousands of Americans from get, contracting the virus and prevented death. That was a good call. We disagreed at the time, but in retrospect, you were right. Is anyone in the media, Bill O'Reilly? Is Andrew Cuomo going to say, good job, Mr. Trump? You save lives? No. He's got to position himself as being smarter and more effective than Trump. So therefore, anything bad that happens in New York, anything bad that happens here, what's he going to do? He's going to blame the federal government. He's going to blame Trump. He has to do that if he wants to run. Okay, so he has him. to play politics at the expense of the people in his state. Am I, am I misinterpreting what you just said? No, and that's how savage the nexus of the politics and the pandemic is. Sick. This and is three years of hate Trump. If, the, if he cured savage. cancer, Bill, this guy won't get credit from a lot of these people. It's sick. All right. BillOReilly.com. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. Facts without fear, coronavirus deaths in the U.S., uh, top 4,000. Now, some say it surpasses China. I don't know if we're getting the truth out of China even at this late date. I, I'll let other people figure that out. Apparently, we do have some of our, our CDC members on the, on the ground there. Uh, and I know other people want informal discussions. Who's going to po finger point? And California is releasing prisoners, 3,500 of them. Uh, de uh, Dr. Burks is saying significant amount of missing data from China may have led to the slow coronavirus response. That is in keeping with the study out of Great Britain that said 95% of all of this could have been prevented had they just been open and honest and sought the guidance, help, and brilliance of the world's researchers, especially the U.S. Uh, apparently, China scientists, Chinese scientists, are saying they have found several extremely effective antibodies in their coronavirus research. 
I don't know whether we get to that or not, uh, but something to maybe hold on to is something we might need or want. The estimates from yesterday were chilling. Had we not taken mitigation efforts, had we not had the travel ban, the quarantine, that was 10 days after the first case reported in the U.S., it could have been as high, deaths, the death toll could have been as high as 2 million plus. They think it'll be somewhere between 100,000 and 220,000. Here with uh, his uh, expertise, he's all hands on deck uh, during this medical uh, epidemic is our friend, Dr. Oz. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm uh, excited today. I had a big, big night last night after we finished the show. Tell me about research. Well, there, I got this paper that these days, instead of researchers publishing their paper in a journal, which takes months to do, you send it in, a reviewer looks at it, and they just maybe hem and haw, and they give you some feedback, go back and forth a bunch of times, and someone prints it in a journal. These days, literally, people just slap it online, and they say, this is the, my research I'm working on. I'm sending it in to get published, but in the meantime, I want to spread the wisdom because it's a pandemic. There's no time to dilly-dally. And so... The Chinese group that we have been tracking for a while and we have reached out to in the past, last night published a randomized trial, which for the listeners means half the people got the treatment, half didn't get the treatment. That's what Dr. Fauci has been asking about with, for example, with hydroxychloroquine, right, that malaria drug. Well, that's what these guys published, literally. They did a randomized trial. It was actually done about a month ago in China. They wrote it up. You can tell that it was written by folks whose first language was in English, but it's a pretty good English written you know, paper, certainly much better than I would write it in Chinese. Mm-hmm. And they went through these 62 people. And let me just quickly summarize what they found. They got the traditional therapy that everyone gets in China when they get sick, which includes things we don't do here, antivirals and some antibiotics. Uh, but then they added to half the people, so 62 people, half got 31, got the uh, hydrochloroquine, half didn't. They were very clear in what the inclusion criteria were. Basically, you had to still be living in reasonably good health, and you had a pneumonia on your CT scan. Um, but otherwise, you know, they're doing okay. And then the, 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 the exclusion criteria were things you should exclude, like do you have a bad heart with arrhythmias, because that's one of the side effects of this drug. And what they found was, was I, th- I think, wonderful to hear, uh, and I think it's going to change a lot of people's minds about whether they should be using hydroxychloroquine. They found that in terms of symptoms, like, for example, did you have a cough? Well, instead of having a cough for three days, you have it for two days. That's a big deal. It was statistically significant. Instead of Huge having a fever deal. for... Instead of having a fever for 3.2 days, you have it for 2.2 days. Again, cutting off a day from that, statistically significant. And then this is the important part. They did an analysis of the CT scans to see how the pneumonia fared, because pneumonia is a pretty big deal. And in the control group, they they moved towards an improvement in pneumonia 55% of the time. In the experimental group, it was 81% of the time, statistically significant. And that's with that very small number of patients. Now, I don't want to overstate this. 62 patients is not a huge number. We're doing our own trials in this country. It will take a while to get the answers. We'll know for sure when those trials done with top-notch American physicians are completed. But I'll tell you, for a, a thumbnail sketch of deciding whether you want to take this or not, it's worth it. So I brought Dr. Ian Lipkin in, who's one of the most famous virus hunters in the world. He was actually asked by the Chinese, went there and helped them back in January. And I asked him to come on the show and just be honest about what this means to him. Now, interestingly, he actually had COVID-19. Despite all his travels, he'd escaped it. He got sick about 10 days ago. He took hydroxychloroquine. 
he got a little dizzy the first day, but otherwise was okay with it, and he's doing well. And he talked to his colleagues in China, the top scientists there, and they know the group. They didn't know this paper, but they say they use it routinely. It's part of their manual for operate for treating patients now in China. And now we know why. Now we have the, the randomized trial. And the, the, the senior author is a woman, Dr. Zhang. Uh, she did not want to speak on camera. But we confirmed that it was her paper and submitted. So I feel pretty good about this. It's the, I'm going to focus tomorrow. I have, doc, I have Dr. Burks on my show tomorrow, and I have this topic. And I asked her about it. I said, I'm sending it to you so she, you can look at it as well. I want the task force to see this. Well, this is not the only evidence that you've gotten a hold of. You have, add to that, the, the French study that you had mentioned. Add to that the anecdotal evidence that you're getting with all the doctors that you've been inviting on your show, all the patients that you've had on your show, would I be wrong in interpreting that what you're what you just described to me this way and saying, well, let's say you're 24 hours away from being intubated and you use the hydroxychloroquine along with Zithromax. Some say zinc as well. I don't know how you feel about that. But if you use it and that prevents intubation, uh, how how pivotal could that be in saving lives? Well, again, this study dealt with people who are not that advanced, and it could be valuable there, but I would much rather use it earlier, as soon as you're diagnosed, mm-hmm. because it seems to change the course of the infections. Let's go over this again for everybody. The French data, which was not randomized, which was the big knock on it, but uh, just said, okay, I'm, we're desperately dealing with patients here. I don't have time to do a study. I'm just going to take everybody and treat them. And what he found in 80 patients uh, was that they clinically did better if you put them on, uh, on this the combo drug that you mentioned, the malaria drug plus ZPAC, but he, because he didn't have a control group, no one knows if that's real or not. However, he, didn't have, he did not have complications, and he showed in a prior study that the viral load, the amount of virus coming out of patients was down. That's important because that lets you get them out of an isolation area, and they're less infectious when they're home. This study, similarly, if you have a reduction in symptoms of fever and cough, well, that's one of the ways we decide if you're infectious. The rule of thumb is for at least three days, or a total of a week after you first present with illness, uh, you're going to be really infectious. Well, this reduces that. So this also sort of shifts the curve of this virus towards a more benign. You know, if you can just sort of push this back towards being regular old influenza, that will be a great goal. Now, I'm going to point something else out that they mentioned in the paper that I'm, I'm, I'm you can tell I'm excited about this, but this is sort of an, you know, just still a work in progress. They noted that the people who came to their hospital who had rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and therefore were on hydroxychloroquine, none of them, none of the 80 patients had COVID-19. None. And in the hundreds of 90 or whatever patients who had been there by then who came in with the infection, not a single one had rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. So So what you're saying is it may be a, a prophylactic. Exactly. So we have a clinical trial going on at my institution, New York Presbyterian, to examine this. But I actually, this is, a, this is an idea Brian Kilmeade said this morning on Fox and Friends to me, and it's very smart, uh, that, that, is, that why don't we ask Medicare and Medicaid services, right? Seema uh, Verma is the administrator there, a very solid leader. And I wrote her today a note, and I said, can you just go back and look at the Medicare database of all the, you know, tens of, I mean, tens of millions of people in that database, there have got to be a bunch who are taking this drug already, right? We have their prescription forms, and there are a bunch who weren't taking it. That is a great idea. And by the way, you could do it anonymously and see if they want to part and give them a choice to participate. And I would bet 98%, 99% would participate. So let me, let me then ask you, and I always go back to the simple question, but it matters. Um, 
do you think you, you look you're in you're in people's faces all day masked up gloved up i understand but it doesn't matter um you're at risk as is every other healthcare worker medical professional and amazing brave people that we have in, in your industry and and I, by the way i love your passion about all of this would you consider using it proactively like that as a prophylactic if i was called to serve in the emergency room remember the, the, the ER doctors and the ICU doctors are, are not the heart surgeons, which is what my day job is, uh, my, you know, my training is. Uh, so if I was called to work in front of people with COVID-19, uh, I would take this as a prophylactic measure. That's the clinical trial we're experimenting on. And I think that's another example of how you might deal with it. If, if you've got folks who are more frail, more at risk, or first responders, because, you, know, you know, we've got 15, 20, 25% of physicians and nurses out of commission. And when they get sick, remember, they, first of all, they're exposed to higher amounts of the virus, so we think that might make them a little sicker. Uh, and in addition, what about leaders like you know Boris Johnson or President Trump or yeah. you know God forbid, I'm going to want anybody to get it. Um, too risky for them? I think that's not the first line. They think you want to. I mean, the drug is a 70 year old drug. It's been used forever for you know for chronic purposes to prevent malaria and it's used now even for chronic autoimmune problems as we've talked about but i wouldn't start with world leaders i think you want to get it to the people who are most at need and that's actually one of the big challenges now is make sure we can get enough pill because as this data begins to accumulate see until now everyone justifiably in the medical field can say wait a minute wait a minute we don't actually have an experiment where half the guys got it and half didn't get it and they didn't know if they were getting it or not and now that we can compare them face to face head to head was there really a difference because you know three days two days how big a difference is that this is this is actually the first it's small, but the first trial of its nature that I'm aware of that showed a difference. There was See, another randomized trial that didn't show a difference, but those folks, all, they all got better so fast I couldn't tell. So, the, we, you know, no one's going to say it's completely solved, but these, this kind of data gets physicians to take a step how back. How quickly, say, you know, in your view, could we do the, the study which you're suggesting, which is, is go, go to local pharmacies. You don't identify people by name, and they can contact, obviously, people that get prescriptions. If this is being used either for lupus, rheumatoid uh, arthritis, or, or people Sean, have you traveled. Don't have to. Let me interrupt you. You don't have to go to pharmacy. You don't have to ask patients. We have Medicare that already. Has a da- they have a database they can de-identify, which means you take the guy's name off, age of birth, all the identifiable. There's like 19 things that can, you can identify it with, right? Get rid of all that. I don't care about any of that. I literally only care about your age and your sex, pre- primarily, which doesn't identify because there's lots of 59-year-old men around, right? So you just p- then match, match one list of people with another list. They know if you filled your prescription because they can tell they paid the bill. But they can't right. tell if you took the pill, but they're assuming that if you already know, if you're carrying a diagnosis of lupus and you're on this pill, you're going to be taking the pill. So that, those, that's no, there's a lot. That's, that's, that, listen, I'm as excited as you are. That sounds, if, if we can get that data, how quickly, is that something you can get in a week? Is that something you yes, can get in three days? Less. Yeah, I think it's. So Who would be in I charge guess, of that? Who would be the person to contact to say, hey, get this information? I think it's Seema Verma, Verma, who I already wrote, has written me back. She texted back. She wrote back. She said, I'm excited. This is a good idea. She moved. I mean, you don't usually get for someone as busy as she is trying to manage all the things she's got to take care of to get that kind of feedback is wonderful. She has to obviously get people who do, you know, do, to do it, but I think they're excited. I don't believe me. There will be no delay. Everybody wants answers and solutions, and this seems to be a solution so, that might, with an answer, be able to become routine. Now, this is hydroxychloroquine with uh, Zithromax. Um, you've also talked, hey, no, we're no, looking at right. 100. This wasn't, this wasn't even Zithromax. 
Oh, Thank that you, was just the hydroxychloroquine. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Good point. Um, so there are a hundred other things that you said you're looking at. You've mentioned a number of them to me as well, and, and some other for really sick people. There's been some anecdotal success with convalescent uh, plasma, uh, those that had the virus, those that are, you know, are well, and you take the the plasma from the blood and you infuse the antibodies, which which built up in that person's blood into somebody who's really sick. That's been somewhat promising. What are the promising things you see besides hydroxychloroquine? Well, the convalescent plasma concept is big, and we need people to donate blood. The only time I've left my house here in the last two weeks was to go donate blood with my kids. So we don't have enough blood, period, and we don't have enough people who've had COVID-19 who are well enough to donate blood. But if you've been through it, we need your plasma because your antibodies that you made are valuable. Now, there's a company, uh, you know, this Ian Lipkin I mentioned earlier, the virus hunter, the famous guy, he was actually the medical consultant on contagion. He, and sort of, it's sort of based on what he does in his, for his life. So he uh, was, you know, his, he's one of the big supporters of, of, of convalescent plasma, the use of antibodies. One of his collaborators, I guess in the movie, I just was reading about it today, and yeah. I'm waiting to hear back from him. It developed some antibodies that were they're already made. So they were looking at this for SARS back in 2002-3, and then they've looked at all these antibodies, and some of them cross-reacted good work for the COVID-19 virus. So here's the idea. Instead of having to get somebody to donate their plasma to you, you can actually take antibodies pre-made in a test in a vial, right, and mm-hmm. inject them into a patient, like the one you mentioned earlier who's a day away from intubation. Now you're helping their immune system keep up because people who are sicker have more virus in general. We don't know why, but they're not able to keep up with it. That's why I love medicine. I I mean, you just love figuring it out. I mean, it's your passion, and it's infectious. Um, What about the task force numbers? Um, They talked about without mitigation, without the travel ban, the quarantine, we could have had well over 2 million deaths. I and I, I think you respect Dr. Fauci like I do. He's been around working for six presidents. He's saved an incalculable number of lives over the course of his career. This is what he deals with, AIDS and pandemics. And, you know, but even on the 26th of January, well, that was five days after the first known case in the U.S., he didn't think it was that big a deal then. He was getting more concerned the 27th and 28th when I interviewed him. Uh, now they say the mitigation efforts, travel ban, it was be 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. What do you think of those numbers? I think those numbers are pretty accurate. I'm hoping we get to the lower side of that range. But the travel ban was an important contributor to slowing it. It gave us more room. Unfortunately, we squandered that lead by not having tests available, uh, which I think, in, in retrospect, it'll be the single biggest failure of the whole process and one that yeah. no one would have envisioned. Well, None of the scenarios... That Nobody saw this. Ever had fashioned yeah. in the fact that you wouldn't know what the heck was going on. Dr. Oz, great news today. We'll update all of this tonight. You'll join us on Hannity. You're always generous with your time during, and your information is uh, amazing for the audience. Thank you. We appreciate it. 800 941 Sean, toll free number. We'll continue. News. That's right. Facts without fear coming up. All right, that is, uh, hang on, the president is now stepped to the podium, his daily coronavirus task force. I see the attorney general is there and uh, a lot of military people as well. We'll see what the president has to say. Yesterday, and we explained why we're extending our nationwide guidelines to slow the spread for 30 days. Together, we have the power to save countless lives. We're attacking the virus on every front with social distancing, economic support, 
for our workers, rapid medical intervention, and very serious innovation, and banning dangerous foreign travel that threatens the health of our people. And we did that early, far earlier than anyone would have thought, and way ahead of anybody else. In this time of need, I know that every American will do their patriotic duty and help us to achieve a total victory. As governments and nations focus on the coronavirus, there's a growing threat that cartels, criminals, terrorists, and other malign actors will try to exploit the situation for their own gain. And we must not let that happen. We will never let that happen. Today, the United States is launching enhanced counter-narcotics operations in the Western Hemisphere to protect the American people from the deadly scourge of illegal narcotics. We must not let the drug cartels exploit the pandemic to threaten American lives. In cooperation with the 22 partner nations, U.S. Southern Command will increase surveillance, disruption, and seizures of drug shipments and provide additional support for eradication efforts, which are going on right now at a record pace. We're deploying additional Navy destroyers, combat ships, aircraft and helicopters, Coast Guard cutters, and Air Force surveillance aircraft, doubling our capabilities in the region. Very importantly, our forces are fully equipped with personnel, protective equipment, and we've taken additional safety measures to ensure our troops remain healthy. Secretary Mark Esper, Attorney General Bill Barr, National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien will provide more details. In addition, I'm going to have uh, General Milley, who's done an incredible job in so many ways, say a few words. And also with us, our Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Gilday, who you know, I think you know, and Commandant of the Coast Guard, Admiral Schultz. So I'm going to ask uh, Mark to start, and then we can go. And uh, after that, we're going to take questions as it pertains to this. And then we'll go on to phase two, which is the virus itself. Okay? Thank you. Please, Mark. Well, thank you, Mr. President, and good afternoon, everyone. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today as we make this very important announcement. At a time when the nation and the Department of Defense are focused on protecting the American people, from the spread of the coronavirus, we also remain vigilant to the many other threats our country faces. Today, at the President's direction, the Department of Defense, in close cooperation with our interagency partners, began enhanced counter-narcotics operations in the Eastern Pacific Ocean and the Caribbean Sea. This initiative is part of the administration's whole-of-government approach to combating the flow of illicit drugs into the United States and protecting the American people from their scourge. I want to thank all of our partners in this effort to include the United States Coast Guard, the Department of Homeland Security, the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Department of Justice, and members of the intelligence community for their tremendous support and cooperation. To conduct these enhanced operations, the President has directed the deployment of additional ships, aircraft, and security forces to the United States Southern Command area of responsibility. Included in this force package are Navy destroyers and littoral combat ships, Coast Guard cutters, P-8 patrol aircraft and elements of an Army Security Force Assistance Brigade. These additional forces will nearly double our capacity to conduct counter-narcotics operations in the region. Additionally, 22 partner nations have joined us in this fight 
bringing with them a variety of intelligence and operations capabilities needed to defeat these criminal organizations. Last year alone, United States Southern Command's operations resulted in the seizure of over 280 metric tons of drugs, much of which was designated for shipment to America. While this was an incredible achievement, there is much more work to be done. Transnational criminal organizations continue to threaten our security by smuggling cocaine, fentanyl, methamphetamines, and other narcotics across our borders. These drug traffickers put our communities, communities at risk and destroy lives. Every year, tens of thousands of Americans die from drug overdose, and thousands more suffer the harmful effects of addiction. Furthermore, corrupt actors like the illegitimate Maduro regime in Venezuela rely on the profits derived from the sale of narcotics to maintain their oppressive hold on power. The Venezuelan people continue to suffer tremendously due to Maduro's criminal control over the country. Drug traffickers are seizing on this lawlessness by increasing their illicit activities. We must do more to prevent these drugs from arriving at our shores. These enhanced counter-narcotics operations that are now underway will further disrupt the flow of illicit drugs to America, deny our adversaries the financial resources they depend on, and build the capacity of our partner nations throughout the region. I want to thank President Trump for his leadership and support to this critical mission. This is particularly important time for this operation to begin. As nations around the world shift their focus inward to deal with the coronavirus pandemic, many criminal organizations are attempting to capitalize on this crisis. The enhanced operations we are announcing today will keep the pressure on these criminal groups and protect the American people from the devastation caused by the flow of illegal drugs into our country. Mr. President, thank you for your leadership as we begin this important operation. While the men and women of the United States military work hard here at home to fight the coronavirus, we continue to take action around the world to defend our great country. Thank you, and I'd like to invite General Milley. Thank you, Secretary, for those uh, uh, words, and thank you, Mr. President, for your leadership. And I want to publicly thank uh, Admiral Craig Fowler, the commander of uh, U.S. Southern Command out of Miami, uh, for leading this operation, which is underway effective uh, today. And also Admiral Gilday, uh, the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Schultz, for their contributions to this from their services. There's thousands of sailors, uh, Coast Guardsmen, uh, soldiers, airmen, Marines involved in this operation. Uh, we came upon some intelligence uh, some time ago uh, that the drug cartels, as a result of COVID-19, were going to try to take advantage of the situation and try to infiltrate additional drugs into our country. As we know, the 70,000 Americans uh, die on an average annual basis uh, to drugs. Uh, that's unacceptable. We're at war with COVID-19, we're at war with terrorists, and we are at war with the drug cartels as well. Uh, this is the United States military. You will not penetrate this country. You will not get past Jump Street. You're not going to come in here and kill additional Americans. And we will marshal whatever assets are required to prevent your entry into this country to kill Americans. So right now the Navy has marshaled additional Greyhound ships from both PACOM and UCOM and for the Naval Fleet at Norfolk. And they are set sail already and they are in the Caribbean right now. In addition to that, there's 10 Coast Guard cutters and there's Special Operations Forces and Security Force Assistance Brigades along with Air Force uh, reconnaissance aircraft. The bottom line is you're not going to get through. Uh, now is not the time to try to penetrate the United States with illegal drugs to kill Americans. With the United States military, we will defend our country regardless of the cost. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank, Thank you, you Secretary. Thank you, Mr. President. Thanks for your uh, decisive leadership as we confront this unprecedented uh, challenge uh, posed by corona, coronavirus. And I'd like to thank you for your support for this important initiative and thank 
uh, all of uh, the Secretary of Defense and all the services uh, for taking on this, uh, this important initiative. Obviously, during this crisis, we're all focused uh, above all else on COVID-19. But at the same time, uh, our law enforcement and national security work must go forward, protecting the American people from the full array uh, of threats. For the Department of Justice, one of our highest priorities must remain destroying the Mexican cartels. Their trafficking is largely responsible for the deaths, as we all know now, of 70,000 Americans a year. Uh, and also, the costs of this don't count uh, the destroyed families, the destroyed lives, the draining of our national uh, treasure as state budgets are crushed by uh, the burden that this, uh, the, the, this uh, 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 narcotic trafficking causes. The President has made clear uh, that we are in this fight against the cartels to win and that we are not interested in half measures and that the threat posed by the cartel is not just a law enforcement threat, but a national security threat as well. And in December, building on uh, your success with uh, the Mexican uh, president and forging uh, a cooperative relationship uh, in the area of uh, immigration, you asked me to go down and meet with the president, uh, Lopez Obrador, and our Mexican counterparts to see if we could also establish a more comprehensive and coordinated effort with the Mexicans uh, in confronting the cartels. And uh, we've had some uh, successful visits and, and discussions and currently have an array of activities underway against the cartels. And we anticipate, along with the Mexicans, that these are going to bear fruit in the months ahead. But it quickly became clear that we can obtain the most immediate uh, results, the best bang for the buck, uh, where we increase the assets involved in interdiction on both the Pacific and Atlantic side of Mexico and the Central American uh, countries. For years, the cartels have been uh, using these sea routes to take the cocaine up from principally Colombia, now also out of Venezuela. And these sea routes on both coasts uh, have become the primary means of bringing cocaine up to the United States. Because of the superb work done by the uh, Defense Department and our intelligence community, uh, we know exactly most of the time where these traffickers are at sea. Um, but we're significantly, have been up till now, significantly limited in our ability to interdict because of the numbers of the assets we have deployed. Uh, prior today, uh, this limitation meant we could only intercept the fraction uh, of uh, the, the traffickers that w and, and the, the various boats uh, that were detected. This will now double our capacity, and we are talking about hundreds of tons of cocaine now uh, we're now in a position to seize. So this is going to uh, radically improve uh, our interdiction efforts and put tremendous pressure, we think, on the cartels. Um, and uh, the effort that Southcom is uh, undertaking is going to save lives by taking drugs off the street. Last week, I announced the unsealing of charges uh, of narco-terrorism, drug trafficking, and other crimes against the former Maduro regime, 16 members of that regime, uh, and their involvement in trafficking of 250 metric tons a year. 
A lot of that comes by sea, as I discussed at that time. But also, because of the pressure we're applying uh, by our sea uh, interdiction, they are trying to establish an air route out of Venezuela up into Central America, which is one of the reasons we're trying to move firmly against uh, that corrupt regime. Uh, you know, this drug war has gone on for many decades, and at times in the past, We've had great success and great I results. The president and his task force, they're actually now talking about uh, the drug cartels, and especially during the pandemic, they're doubling their efforts and a lot of weird stuff. I mean, people are unbelievable. You see the best, you see the worst in people. We'll get back to that in a second. I want to remind you, all right, it's time to cut the grass. You love cutting the grass. I bet everyone is dying to get outside more often. Now you can get outside with a brand new Hustler Turf mower. It is the best mower you'll ever use. Heavy duty, zero turn. By the way, that's them since the 1960s. Family run business. They build commercial grade. They build residential grade mowers. And by the way, all these components are built in. They're just amazing. And by the way, you get free delivery of your Hustler mower. You get a free setup appointment for an outside demo. Uh, if you go to HustlerTurf.com, you'll find the retailer near you. There's one near you somewhere. Uh, you get a setup appointment for a live video walkthrough. Linda needed three of them to make sure she was writing it right. Um, and you can finance and pay for your... Well, and Linda's putting videos occasionally up on Hannity.com about it. Uh, you'll also get an extended warranty right now. And the great thing is these are American jobs in the heartland of family-run business. And it's the best mower you'll ever get. All you have to do is go to HustlerTurf.com, click on the radio offer in the upper right-hand corner, and you will get the best deal you can. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll go back to the task force in a second. All right, now, facts without fear, news that will give you the good, the bad, and the ugly, without the panic, the hysteria, the politics, and the lies. We have all the villains. They cannot control themselves. I mean, it is unbelievable to me that this is how people act, you know, the way they've been acting in the middle of all of this. Pretty despicable. Uh, We'll have all of that tonight, 9 Eastern, on Hannity. Loaded up, by the way, Dr. Oz, Ron DeSantis, uh, Tom Cotton, Carl Rove, Jason Chavitz, Maria Baratiromo, and the economy. All right, stay safe. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.